Turn with me over to uh, Matthew chapter 28. <clears throat> and in Matthew chapter 28, this is now the, the final moment, if you've been with me at all for the last 18 months. We've been working our way along, trying to understand the blessing of Abraham and how the blessing of Abraham works. And we've made our way into this place of covenant and now into the, what does it really take to step into a covenant with Almighty God? And so here we are from Ephesians chapter 5, you know, husband, you know uh, uh, the, the imagery of husbands, you know, uh, wives obeying your husbands. That's probably not a great Mother's Day message. Let's cut that part. Um, anyways, and then we got to there to figure out, okay, how, what's the whole obedience thing all about? And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight as we celebrate moms. Um, and so here, anyways, and so we're here in, in Jesus's, the, you know, he's just about to go to heaven. And he's talking with them and giving them instructions. And he tells them, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teach them to obey all these things which I have commanded you. And so we kind of have this imagery of obeying, which is something that, I, as, far as, I was, as far as I'm aware, you know, I know a lot of human beings. The one thing that human beings are never challenged with is obeying another human being. It's the simplest thing in the whole wide world you know that that's not true. We are all challenged by this concept of obedience. But we recognize that when Jesus was here, he only gave us three instructions, three things. You can't get this stuff wrong. And one of those was something that we're just not going to do well as, as human beings. And it's important to know that that's because of our design as human beings. Human beings were not designed to be slaves. They were not designed to be dominated or domineered by another person. Uh, they were designed to be divine beings. We were created in the image and likeness of God himself. And so when we are trying to work our way through these, you know, whatever, this 6,000 years of God trying to restore us back to the way we were in the beginning, one of the big problems that we have is this concept of obedience. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, I want you to, to go with me, if you could, in your Bibles, because I'm going to have to, you know, point some things out for you. But in Romans chapter 1, if, you, if you're familiar at all with the books of the Bible, you recognize that the book of Romans uh, was written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, and the purpose of the writing of the book of Romans was that Paul was going to be able to lay out a foundational doctrine of what the New Testament was actually about. It is very chronological, so you, what goes in Romans chapter 1 comes before Romans chapter 2. I know that's somewhat self-evident, but the way Paul laid it out is kind of like a how do you work your way through to the fullness of what the New Testament has for you. And I'm going to draw your attention to what I call the bookends of the, of the book of Romans. And here in chapter 1, in verse 6, it says this, uh, verse 5 rather, uh, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. And then if you run with me over <clears throat> to the other end of the book of Romans, which is chapter 16, and right down at the very last words of chapter 16, Paul repeats himself, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for what? For the obedience of faith. And so what I want to draw your attention to is one of the problems that we have 
in using the word obedience. If you think to yourself, what does the word obedience mean to me? And you probably have this conjured up image of somebody is telling you what to do, and even though you don't want to do it, you're supposed to do it anyways. And that's probably similar to what everybody's definition of obedience would be, but that is not the biblical definition of obedience, particularly not the biblical definition of the obedience of faith. Now, one of the other unfortunate things about being 2,000 years into this process of trying to figure out what the heck Paul was saying when he said it, we have a difficulty in the translation of, um, you know, the original writings into the English. Because it says here that Paul was focused on the obedience of the faith. And by putting that word the in there, even though you would think that's the very innocuous word, it makes us think that what Paul is talking about is the rel a particular religion. And so what the whole point of the New Testament is for us to learn how to obey the doctrines of a particular religion, whether it's Catholicism or whether it's you know, Pentecostal or whether it's swing from chandeliersism or whatever it would be, that you're trying to obey a set of doctrines that are given to you. Simply because we added the word the to this concept of faith, as if there was the faith. There is a right one. And this has created so many problems for the, for the church because everybody's running around saying they have the faith. Their doctrine is the doctrine that Jesus was talking about when he said everybody ought to obey our doctrine. But that's completely not in the original writing of this piece of scripture. That's completely not what it means. These, first of all, the word the is not there. We put that word in there to make it make sense because the word for faith here, which is the word pistis, is a noun. And so what you do with nouns like dog and cat is you say the dog and the cat. And so we put it in there. But then when it got going a bit, everybody wanted it to talk about the faith, which was their religion. And so then the word obedience got turned into this, I'm gonna tell you what to do and you are gonna do it or I'm gonna beat you over the head or you'll go to hell when you die, one of the two. And that's where you, we've got into the wrong interpretation. The right interpretation of this is ridiculously self-evident about the way human beings work. What Paul is talking about is the obvious connection between what you do and what you believe. That word faith is simply the word that refers to everything that you believe, not just spiritually, not just about church, not just about the Bible, but it's talking about everything you believe and how, as human beings, we do things, make decisions based on what we believe. So when you came in here today, you proudly plopped your rear end down on that chair because you believed it was going to hold you up. Now, I've, how many of you, had, how many of you have, still have those white uh, latex chairs at home? I don't think anybody has those things anymore because everybody knows what happens after a little while of those bad boys sitting in the sun. And so you can picture somebody, if hope it's not yourself, but somebody leaning back after a nice meal on the porch and finding out that the two legs on that chair, how many of you had that experience? 
collapse underneath you. Have you all seen somebody do that? Well, anybody that has seen that happen now, when they go to one of those white vinyl chairs, they don't just plop themselves down into it. They give it a good shake and they, you know, give it a good bang on the ground to make sure it's going to hold them up. Because what they believe about chairs has now changed specifically to those white vinyl chairs. And what they do as a response to that is now changed. So you have probably never had the experience of falling through one of you certainly can't fall through one of these chairs. But let's say somebody had that experience. I could tell you everybody would be careful next Sunday when they came back after watching you fall flat because you went through the chair. The important thing is that this concept is very self-evident about the way human beings operate. What Paul is trying, what he's referring to here is the automatic connection between what we believe and what we do. And the key to the New Testament isn't how this scripture has been uh, interpreted, it's in fact the exact opposite. It's not talking about somebody telling you something and you blindly obeying that thing that you have been told. That's not what this is talking about. The end game here, which is what Paul is referring to by putting this concept of the obedience of faith in the beginning and the obedience of faith at the end of this Romans book, which is the you know, the, the number one book in the New Testament that tells us what New Testament Christianity is all about. And he refers to it as the obedience of faith. He wants us to become the word of God on the inside. And then once we truly believe it, that's what happens when it gets inside of you. It's not just a head thing anymore. You know, Jesus said it's better to give than it is to receive, but we all love our birthday better than we love anybody else's. And so we just don't know that we get that one. Everybody knows that to be true. Your mom told you that, but that doesn't mean you believe it. Getting it to actually be something that you believe so that you become it, once you actually believe that it is better to give than it is to receive, everybody around you will know. Because you start what? Giving. It's an automatic result of what you have become as a person. And so we recognize then, and I think this kind of makes sense because we've covered this here many times before, that the, the concept of the New Testament is not obeying the word. The concept of the New, because that was Old Testament. That's what they were supposed to do in the Old Testament. When they're doing the, what they refer to as believing in the Old Testament <clears throat> is the word aman, where we get the word amen from, which is kind of like a God says it, so I'm going to do it kind of a word. So let it be done, or so let it be fulfilled in my life. It's a future thing that they're grabbing hold of what God says and going, okay, I'm going to do my best to get this done, is the word aman, which is where we get the word amen, which is so be it. So be it in the future. I agree with that. So let it be established is what the word means in, in uh, the New Testament, amen, which is the derivative of that Hebrew word. Anyways, sorry. When we are dealing with then what Paul is referring to when it, or what Jesus is referring to when he says, teach them to obey. He's not talking to them about get them, you know, strap a, a, a leash around their neck and, and, you know, bind them to a doctrinal thesis of a particular religion 
and then make them do it or cast them into hell. That's completely not what Jesus was talking about. What Jesus was talking about is bring them to the place where they believe and therefore obey the things which I have commanded you. The things which I have revealed to you, the truths of the way this world actually works, become that person on the inside. Don't just do the word of God, become the word of God. What makes a difference is when we become the same thing that made Jesus Jesus, which was the word of God, when we become the word of God by believing it, we automatically start doing things the way Jesus would have done them. And so as we are looking at the, an understanding of what does it really take to come into covenant with God, we recognize that the becoming of the word of God, the obedience of faith is a critical piece of that, of that equation. And based on the, the bookends of the book of Romans, this is a, uh, a mandatory concept that encapsulates the principles of the New Testament. If we get about the New Testament and it becomes the, uh, the, not that we don't do it religiously, there is a place for that, but that's not the end game. If it becomes the end game, I just want you all to look like you're awesome on the outside, then we have lost everything. Because we have not used the doing part of it properly. Okay, let's just skip through. So if that's the case now, Jesus says, I want you to teach them to obey. And we create in the English language this synonymous relationship between the word obey and the word submit. Many of us couldn't care less about what the particular definitions of those two words are because we intend to do neither. <laughs> but there is actually a very important definition and a difference between those two things. When you're dealing with submission, submission is what you do when you do something even though you don't agree with the thing that you are doing. Your re the reason for submitting is to come to the place through that submission where you actually understand and then believe the word of God that you've been given. It's a lot easier for us to get on a bike and learn to ride it than for you to go to physics class and figure out how a bike actually works. And that's kind of what we're talking about with the New Testament. So much of the New Testament is blind. This is the problem with us as humans, is that most of us were not raised in a real New Testament environment where from children, we really understood what the point of the New Testament was. So then because of that, we become so blinded, then God comes to us when we're whatever, finally sick and tired of all the chaos in our lives. God comes to interact with us. So much of what he has to say is completely upside down to us. And we are blinded then to the things that he's talking to us about. It's like, you know, the, you know when I was in early seasons of our walk with the Lord, we were, you know, believing for financial things to happen and I would go to God and need $100, and he would say, give away the 10 that you have. And that never used to make sense to me. And so I was blinded to the principle that God was putting into play in my life and go on, and you can go on decades, and never hear or never actually perceive the things that need to be perceived unless 
you step into this place where God said, give away the tent, I'm just giving it away. I'm not arguing with it anymore. It's easier to learn to ride a bike by riding it than it is to observe somebody else riding it and then think you can. When it comes time to understand how the New Testament works and the, what Jesus said, teach them to obey. He's saying that the end of the, of the pathway, the end of the journey is that we are going to be able to obey. But the beginning of that journey comes with the ability to submit. Another word that we are very fond of in North America. But what I want to draw your attention to here is that we, um, that when Jesus said to do this, he said, if you can never get to the place where you can obey, which begins with submission, you're never going to get to the place where you're actually operating in the principles of the New Testament. And I'm, I got something special I want to do today, so I'm not going to go all the way there. The brilliance of the New Testament is, that the, is our ability to be completely unpredictable. Now, let me tell you something. Uh, I don't want to go too far down this road. Our experience here on this planet is a battle against the forces of evil that are trying to defeat us, the church. And any general in an army knows that the very worst thing you can be in a battle is predictable. You know, you can, I could even get, you know, people who, who do martial arts, people who are boxers, people who play football games, people who play hockey games. The very worst thing for you to be as the opposition is predictable. The key to the New Testament is actually that we are unpredictable. In the, in, in the trueness, like for example, Jesus has this guy come up to him and he has to pay his taxes. So I'm thinking, okay, this is a perfect opportunity for Jesus to rob a bank. That would be a good thing to do. That's what everybody else would do. But Jesus doesn't do that. He says, go fishing. There's going to be a, a coin in a, in a fish's mouth. The devil in that moment is going, what? <laughs> I thought he was going to freak out and go and you know, rob the person that's walking by him. That's what everybody else does. Because human nature, can I tell you something about human nature? It is, it is so ridiculously predictable, it's crazy. Like if I came, if I, where's, that, where's that guy? If I, if I, you know, if I came up and I slapped you in the face, I know his immediate reaction is gonna slap me back. That is completely the predictable answer. If I spit in his face, he's gonna want to spit back. You see, what the problem is, is when we operate like that, the devil has us cornered. We literally can't get out of the hole that we're in ever. Because as soon as we start climbing out the hole, he has somebody else come and slap us again, which puts us right back in the hole. Because we are completely predictable in the way we are gonna respond to that thing. Can I tell you, the brilliance of the New Testament is the ability to obey the Holy Spirit. When you obey the Holy Spirit, how many of you have noticed following the Holy Spirit? He never, ever, not one time has given me the predictable answer to any problem. Not one time. As a matter of fact, I used to do that. I don't even do this anymore. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm a strategic thinker. That's the way my brain works. And so when I would have a problem, I would get out a piece of paper and I would write down all the possible ways that God could solve this problem. And I could come up with a hundred can I tell you something? Not one 
time did what God actually do appear on my list? Because he wants you to be completely unpredictable. But do you know how hard it is to obey God in something that you think is the dumbest thing in the world, so much so that it didn't even get on your top 100 list of how to solve this problem? That's a, that's a tough thing to do. Until you learn what God does, and then it's unbelievably easy to see what he's doing. When You, you have to understand four or five different principles because he just rotates them. But they're, they're so hard for us to understand. That's why when Jesus was here, Jesus is not, does not have an ego trip saying, okay, I did my little preaching a couple times, and now I need you all to obey those things which I have commanded you. That'll make me super important. He wasn't interested in that. He was trying to get you to be victorious in your walk in this world to fulfill your destiny. The very worst nightmare the kingdom of darkness has is you fulfilling your destiny. And so they are highly charged, highly motivated to get you to not make it. And so when you even start heading in that direction, all that's happening all the time is they're just trying to get you off track, either on the wrong road or in a pothole. Either one is fine. The key to it is being able to follow the Holy Spirit, to obey. But can I tell you something? This whole submission thing, I'll just tell you. North Americans are not good submitters. It's just not our strong suit. The reason that we can know, we have so much access to the word of God, like nobody has ever had. I mean, I have, what I have on this page right here, this one app in my iPad, represents 30 books this thick. When I start, we didn't have iPads in the beginning of my Christianity. That's giving my age away a wee bit. But it's remarkable how much access we have to the word of God nowadays. But it hasn't really had that much of an effect. Matter of fact, the, hundred, the last hundred years, a hundred years ago, you may know this a bit about the way culture worked. A hundred years ago, the church was the dominant, uh, the narrative of humans, like the culture, the narrative of the culture of North America was determined by the church a hundred years ago. Now, not so much. You see, we have had access to the word of God in profoundly greater levels, but it has not had the desired effect. And I'm going to tell you, I think the number one reason is because of this issue of submission. Because we don't do what God says for us to do until we first understand why he's saying to do it. Because if, if we could understand, I mean, it'd be easy, right? You put a tomato seed in the ground, tomatoes grow up. If I want tomatoes, I put one of those in the ground, wait six weeks, and I eat the tomatoes. It's super easy for us to understand how tomatoes happen. But when it comes to the seed uh, to, to, you know, love somebody who is unlovable, and then, the, the, you know, that, that would seem equally as easy to understand, but we don't do it. That's not because we're bad people. That's because we haven't yet understood how this thing works to the place where we automatically do it. Somebody spits in our face, our automatic reaction is, is to love them and give them 100 bucks. 
Because we know the reason you're spitting in my face is because you're having a bad day. Well, if I can help you not have a bad day, I'm in. That doesn't sound that hard to understand, right? right. Intellectually, you followed me right the way through that. Okay, come up here, I'll spit in your face, see how you feel. <laughs> you aren't gonna feel like giving me a hug and, and 100 bucks. That's because we haven't learned how to get to the place where we believe one thing and then through submitting to the word of God, simply doing what we are told. And then as we do what we're told, we come through to the place where finally we understand, oh, that's why that's happening. That's how the mechanism works. That's why my life is getting better. That's why my relationships are getting fixed. That's why I'm healthier. That's why I sleep better. And now that I've learned, wait a minute, that's how that happens? All I have to do is not spit back? Deal, I ain't spitting back. And for the rest of your life, they can spit all they want, and you're just not going to spit back because you no longer believe that spitting back is the right answer. Right. Does that make some sense? So, disagreeing, uh, let me say this, covenant, because sometimes people get intimidated by this, uh, entering into a covenant relationship with God, which is really what we're talking about right now in the in a gr grander sense of the word, does not require that we, kn we uh, agree with everything God. That would be kind of tough. If I had to put the bar up that high for everybody, is in order for you to be equally yoked with God, you have got to know everything God knows, believe everything that God believes so that you guys can say, hey, Lou, yourself through to your destiny. That's not necessary. But can I tell you something? A revelation of submission to God is absolutely a must. Because God cannot do things your way. Your ways are dumb. God would never do things. You know, I had to come to that reality. If you want to, if I get all my plans together and then I go to God with the answer, his answer is always the best one. And if his answers are better, then my answers are dumb. And I have to have that relationship with my answers. Otherwise, I fight for my answers. But God is not ever, at least in, so far in 30 years, God has not ever done it my way. He's never negotiated a, for number 42 on the list instead of his original idea. Because he knows he's the right one. He knows he's smarter than me. I have to learn that he's smarter than me. And this draws me. Anyways, so di but sometimes we can vilify disagreeing with God. Can I tell you something? I do not have a problem with disagreeing with God. I disagree with God vocally all the time. And so far, the lightning bolt has not hit me. But can I tell you something? If you go to Mark chapter 4, see, I sneak these guys in all the time. If you go to Mark chapter 4 and uh, let what I call level 2 of this transformational process that is brought in, that Jesus' message was uh, delivering to us. He came to earth to teach us how to be transformed. How does a human being actually work so that we can become transformed? Level two is actually disagreeing with God. And what do you do about disagreeing with God? Uh, let me, let's just go. Did I write it down? Uh, and, and let me, I'll read it to you. So you know where we are in the parable of the sower? The sower sows the word, and it goes on this soil, and that soil, and this soil, and that soil. You've seen that part. The second kind of soil, it says, and these are likewise which are sown on stony ground, 
who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and, but have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time, and afterwards, when affliction and persecution arises for the word's sake, it says immediately they are offended. And that word offended or stumble here is actually the word scandalizo. And the word scandalizo means to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert the one whom he ought to be trusting and obeying. So what we do as human beings, when somebody says something to us that we do not agree with, we do not bow down and worship their mighty intellect. We tune them out. And then we separate ourselves from them so that we don't have to tune them out anymore because we won't hear them anymore. That's the normal thing human beings do. When we, when, when we are interacting with God and we disagree with God, we turn that portion off. That's why when people come, <laughs> they actually say it to me all the time here, they tell me that my jokes are the best part of my teaching. And so the reason of that is because a lot of it is very challenging. And if I asked you after service, what did I say today? You could account for the jokes, but probably not a lot else. Because your brain disconnected from anything that you disagreed with. Now, I'm not saying that for you guys. You got to hold, you're holding on to the, to the word of God here because we want to have the answers. But you see that when you could preach and preach and preach like we do in our day, billions of hours on YouTube of preaching of the word of God, but if it never gets to the place where I embrace where I disagree with what the preacher is saying rather than uh, just embrace the part that I already agree with. Religion says I just want to agree with the part that I agree with. New Testament is I want to get to the place where I agree with the things that I don't agree with. But you see, as human beings, we are uh, hardwired. Our soul is hardwired to disagree or to rather to ignore things that we disagree with. The reason that that is, is we weren't supposed to be trained up wrong. We were supposed to be trained up right. That, you know, if you take a look back in the first page of your Bible, it was God and man in the garden. The only way man learned anything was through his relationship with God. And then he grew up knowing the truth and that truth becomes cemented in. When a lie comes along, they don't hear the lie, just like you don't hear things you disagree with now. That's actually the way we were designed to be. The problem is we started off flipped upside down, trained up wrong. Now God's trying to engage us so that he's, he's backdooring the programming that he put inside of human beings because now he has to get in there and change them. The way that we do that is recognizing why do I struggle in getting to the place where I can actually obey in the New Testament sense, I just believe what God says and so now I just do things the way God would do them if he was doing them because I have become like him in my belief systems. Does that help everybody to understand? So what I wanna do is I wanna turn, oh, and let's take a look at a couple of these because it's, it's great. The word submission is the word hypotasso. Two words, hypo, which is uh, hypodermic, you know, same kind of thing, under, the word means under, and tasso, which means to arrange in a certain order. So obviously, hypotasso means to arrange underneath or to put in subjection or to yield to another or to submit to another's control. Yeah, we just love that, eh? Doesn't that sound good? It's a great Mother's Day message. But that prob it's probably not that often in scripture. 
So I did get a couple of them for you because you probably don't familiar with them. Ephesians chapter 5, it says to submit to one another. 1 Peter, to submit to your elders. Ephesians 5 again, submit to your husband if you have one, if not to God. Hebrews 13, submit to your spiritual leaders. And then James chapter 4, submit to God. So basically, (laughs) submit to everybody. Which kind of gives us a question about North American culture, wouldn't that say, perhaps? 1 Peter chapter 5, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elders. Yes, all be subject to one another and be clothed with humility. He's, he's putting humility and submission in the same sentence. I wonder why. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Or, give, or to, to juxtapose the words there, uh, God resists the proud and gives grace to the submitted. Interesting. Why are we talking about this today? Well, happy Mother's Day to all of you who are mothers. The reason that we are talking about this today is because we learned our ability to submit from our mothers. You see, mothers are tasked with the zero to 10 years in our lives. Their real job is to teach us that we are loved and that we belong. And as Proverbs tells us, that foolishness is bound up in a child. And that the, this is is every child's, causes us to shiver when we use this scripture. And the rod of correction, the Bible says, will drive it out of them. How do mothers do that? Do you know how mothers do that? Mothers typically, with their two-year-olds, they will sit down and they will negotiate. Sort of as two equal partners, you know, with valid, uh, you know, lives that have to be lived. And so they will sit down and perhaps have a piece of paper where they will write out, you know, the pros and cons of doing or not doing, everybody getting to weigh in with their opinion. And then in the end of the day, really whoever's opinion is better is going to win the day. How many of your moms said, yep, that's exactly how I raised my kids? No, no, you didn't do it like that. Let me tell you how my mom did it. My mom did it by saying, guess what? I'm the mom. Do what I say. That's it. It doesn't matter to me whether you understand. It doesn't matter to me whether you agree. It doesn't matter to to me whether you think I'm the biggest nut on the planet. I'm the mom. Do what I say. Can I tell you something? That is submission. And we learned it from our moms. So if you're a mom in this place, we celebrate you. Because if you did not do what you had to do to try and drive out the foolishness that was in our lives, we would still be foolish. Because we would still not have ever submitted. Now, all of you modern thinkers are thinking, well, wait a minute. Well, how exactly does mom drive out that foolishness? It's easy how mom does it. She shrinks the timelines between a bad decision and a bad outcome. You know, you could go to the store and you could steal a candy bar 50 times before somebody catches you until your mom catches you. (laughs) Then what happens? Then judgment is what? Swift at that time. You will have no doubt understanding the relationship between the cause and effect mechanism of stealing a candy bar. 
Even if the, the law doesn't catch you for 50 more years, mom catched you and she got you and fixed you right at that moment. Right? What did mom do? Mom was teaching you how to submit, how to do the right thing, even though in your four-year-old little mind, it seemed like the right idea to steal that candy bar. Mom was trying to teach you, no, you're going to do it my way. You do it right now. And if you don't do it right now and do it my way, swift judgment is coming upon you. The rod of correction is coming your way. Can I tell you something? If you're a modern thinker and you have bought into the philosophies of, you know, negotiating with your children, let me tell you something. You are teaching them to never be able to submit to God ever. And you see that in our culture. The further along our culture goes, generation by generation by generation, and we don't, mothers don't stand up and do the things that they need to do to get that foolishness out of those children. Then they're 35 years old and they're running for the president of the United States and they still don't have a clue because they do not understand that there is a relationship between cause and effect. How would they ever know that? It wasn't given to them when their mom was being their mom. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting as well how you do that. Now, at first, depending on how, you know, there are certain kids who are just, just submitted. They just do that well. Right. And there are certain kids that don't. <laughs> That's just how it goes. But can I tell you something? What causes us to be able to submit is very easy. You just learn to trust your mom. You just learn after a while that she's actually smarter than you. You don't ever like that. But you do learn that mommy has a better perspective, that mommy is going to help you, that mommy's going to make some right decisions with you. That's exactly what we're talking about when we translate that learning of a three-year-old to now what happens to a 30-year-old as they're trying to get to understand. They don't want religion. They don't want to just be bound up with a, you know, a noose around our neck. We actually want to be able to do this out of a loving and living heart. You can't do it if you're not going to deal with this concept of submission. Because you have to get on the bike. God is invisible. His ways are undiscernible unless you decide, I'm just going to obey. It's like your mom's instructions. Think back to your zero to 19 years old. I mean, dads do this too, but dads kind of take over at 10 years old. And a dad's job is to tell you who you are and how you can contribute. To point out the giftings and the callings and the the good, the, 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 the talents and the abilities, that's a dad. I mean, dad does a whole bunch of other things, but that's his primary job. Mom's primary job is to teach you that I'm loved and that I belong and to get the foolishness out. Ooh, it's getting quiet in here. <laughs> Submission, which is then based on trusting and doing. Submission leads to Knowledge or maybe understanding. But the understanding really comes through the doing. I, I, I have yet to meet anybody that 
took their mom at her word without doing it. If mom just said it and you didn't do it, you did not learn. That's the same with God and our modern expression of Christianity. God just comes up here through me or through somebody else or through your Bible or through YouTube or whatever, says a whole bunch of things to you, but don't, don't do them. You didn't learn from that any more than you learned from your mom until you became a mom. And then all of a sudden, your mom became the wisest person on the planet. <laughs> Without trust and submission to our moms, we grow wild. We learn to submit, to do when we disagree by learning to trust that mommy knows best. Moms shorten the time frame between bad decisions and bad outcomes. Our modern philosophy of removing mom's interventionary tactics, I'll call them, <laughs> have prevented people from learning these critical cause and effect mechanisms. Without clear understanding of these relationships between cause and effect, we decide what we believe from our childish perspective. This is the world of foolishness. Huh. Interesting, isn't it? When we're finally done with the chaos this creates, then we come to God, and God has to start from the beginning, like today, and teach us how to submit. God also shortens the time frames. This is, this is not often good news for Christians. When you look at people in the world who don't get away, who can get away with the things that you can't get away with anymore. God's not being mean to you. He's not calling you out. He's not trying to embarrass you or humiliate you. He's trying to get you to see the relationship between cause and effect. The same things are heading at the people in the world. They're just heading at them slower. When God is doing that, like mom, as she chastens us, Mom is trying to get us to understand relationships so that we can become wiser in the things that we do. As we celebrate moms, I do so because I, I've, had, I've had Lola for four days, first of all, because <laughs> Alex, Alex and Danielle are down doing a wedding. Um, and so I'm just, I, I can't tell you how much that awakens the soul to understand the things that moms deal with. Because we have an empty home now. Uh, our kids are grown. And having a, a child come in and realizing like the complexity of what it means to teach these principles, not just how to get the peas off the plate into our mouth, but teaching the principles that really matter is a full-time job. And can I tell you something, moms? It's not easy being the bad guy. You know, I remember, I remember I, we had three children, and as you know, um, and I used to leave early and come home late. I really wouldn't be a lot involved. I would be involved in playtime, bath time, and bedtime. I was about it. Tina was involved in the rest of teaching the children these principles. Can I tell you something? As I celebrate Tina for the work that she does here, Tina's the mom of this home. Yes. And so, no, yes. Can I tell you something? It's a lot easier to get Ian to say yes than it is to get Tina to say yes. How many of you have all noticed that? You know, if you have something, you know, let's skirt around Tina and come straight to Ian. You know, that's, I understand. I understand. I've, I've been at this for a bit. 
But can I tell you something? What Tina's job in here, the reason that God puts a mom in a house is because it's, your, it's her job to teach you how to submit. I have so many people here, you know, when is it, how many of you have ever said this? When's it going to be yes to a prayer request? You know, can I buy the blue card? No. Can I buy the red card? No. Can I get a motorcycle? No. Can I date this guy? No. Can I go to Florida? No. And they would come to me often and say, you know, when's it going to be yes? I say, when you stop asking. Because you have to submit. The New Testament is not about me going to God and telling him what I'd like him to do for me. Which is, of course, everybody does that. Just like every child coming out of the womb has got a better idea of how life should be than their mom. But their mom's job, just like the, the, the mother in the house, the mom's job is really to empower us to get rid of the foolishness and become those people. Not foolishness, I'm not making fun of anybody. But it is that place where we come into the kingdom of God and the ways that we think are right, just like a child, the ways that we think are right are actually not that awesome. And that's not why we're here. I don't think you come here because you want me to tell you that everything that you are doing is the right thing. Because then you're stuck because some stuff going on in our lives that we wouldn't want to be in our lives. We need answers. We don't just need people to just pat us on the back and say, you know, it's okay, see if you can make it another day. I tell you something, we owe an enormous debt to our moms. Christianity, by and large, if you already did not agree with a lot of what I'm telling you today, if you had a real issue with submission, you wouldn't even go to church. The reason that you love God and you're working your way along this road just a wee bit is because of what your mom taught you. Your mom taught you, just do what you're told. Mommy knows better, and you'll learn. You just have to do. As I close today, your mom's relationship to us it empowers us to follow the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, so you can see it in the, de in the definitions, the things that the scripture says about the Holy Spirit, who, are, who is our spiritual mother. I know we call him him, and it's actually a him. But we call God a him too, and he's the breasty one. This is a G-rated program, but the Old Testament tells us about God that he is the breasty one. Anyways, work that out in your doctrine. <laughs> Holy Spirit is our spiritual mother, our comforter. You'll see these in the, in the yeah. duties of a mom. A comforter, a helper, a teacher, a guide, some who, someone who comes alongside of us, who props us up, who encourages us, who strengthens us. That's all the things that moms do. Dads take us outside and tell us to cut the grass. <laughs> moms are these things. What our moms taught us, just let me close with this. We celebrate them because they're constantly guiding us away from the foolishness that we think is wisdom and towards the wisdom that we think is foolishness. Can we stand as we close today's service and say, Heavenly Father, I so honor my mom. I know there's stuff, but I honor her. I know the things that she taught me empower me in my journey as a New Testament believer. I'm not here just because 
I want to get to heaven. I'm here because I'm trying to get heaven here. I know in order to do that, I need to submit to the things of the word of God that I don't agree with. I know God's always right. I know I can trust him. And as I obey, excuse me, as I submit, I will learn, I will understand, I will believe, and I will be able to obey. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray your life was impacted by the service and that you were able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus, or you've known about him but have been far from him. We want to give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross so that you and I could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. So if you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then repeat the simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and have been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. Help me believe in you and love you every day. Help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you just made to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey, but most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we'd love to send you uh, with some easy steps on how to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you soon.